Listening away to Jay Katona with Lockville. With your host, Craig Rich and Dave. Some people claim that they're not that funny. Well, what'd you expect? They're not getting paid. Welcome to Whitlockville, a Katona podcast. I'm Rich Knocky, joined by Craig Johnson and Dave Becker, who is dialing in remotely tonight. We actually have him on video. You're looking pretty dapper for a podcast. Thank you, my friend. This is how we do it in Louisville. <laughs> I see that. I see that. I like it. We have a very special guest interview tonight with Jeff Hayden, CEO of Caramore Center for Music and the Arts. We'll get to the interview uh, shortly, but we had a few topics before that. Um, so, Jeff, if you feel like chiming in at any point before we get to, to your interview, please feel free. First, we're going to go to our sponsor today. Craig, who do we have? Uh, who's sponsoring our, our, our podcast tonight? Well, tonight's episode is sponsored by something near and dear to all of us, a source of refreshing goodness, something that when it's open signifies that summer has definitely arrived in Katona. Any guesses? I, I don't know that I do. Well, tonight's <laughs> sponsor is Ed Shaw's Cooler. Yes, folks, (laughs) it's that 120-quart repository of perfectly chilled beverages that you'll see at every neighborhood party this summer. Also known as the White Whale, the cooler that is, (laughs) it will be handed from family to family for barbecues and bashes until it makes its way back home on Labor Day. Ed and Michelle, if you're not renting that cooler, you ought to. But for your generosity and this sponsorship, we salute you. Ed, thank you. Ed, Michelle, thank you. That's, that's really very kind and generous. Uh, I hope you got the cash up front for that sponsorship. <laughs> we, uh, we had a, a, couple, a couple things I wanted to talk about before we get to Jeff. Um, first off, uh, I was reading an article recently about the number of podcasts that are out there today. Any, any guesses as to how many podcasts uh, titles are? Not necessarily episodes, but how many titles there are out there? couldn't even guess is it bigger than a bread box it is most definitely bigger than a a bread box would you believe that there are seven hundred six thousand podcasts that are out there we are we are one of a a big handful (laughs) the uh some interesting stats there are three thousand new podcast titles per month that are popping up um, the crazy part to me is that in February through April of this year, only 126,000 of those 706,000 podcasts uh, of all existing podcasts produced an episode. So that means that as many are popping up that, you know, like double that, more than double that are actually saying, you know, we don't have enough content. It's only a matter of time before we're one of those that, that just stopped, I would imagine. <laughs> um, the interesting thing I noticed on Apple Podcasts, I don't know if you guys have done this. But underneath our podcast, it, it gives you uh, suggested pods to other pods to listen to. Um, you know, if you like Whitlockville, you might enjoy these podcasts as well. Um, would you like to hear some of the suggested podcasts? This, this, we, need, <laughs> this we need to hear. You ready for this, Dave? I've Definitely. Got, I've got five. We'll, we'll try and rip through these. The first one is called uh, Calendar Call. It's a Connecticut judicial branch uh, uh, podcast. Um, It's hosted by Mike Bowler. By listening to this podcast, attorneys can earn MCLE credits in Connecticut. Craig, what is that? 
those are continuing legal education credits that you need to, to take to keep your law to keep your law license. Right. So you might want to listen to that. Well, I, if, it was, if it was offered in New York, I would. Right. I have no interest in Connecticut. Right. So I don't know why we're getting that. Why we're getting that as a suggested podcast. Rufus seemed to like that. Rufus definitely like that. Okay. The other one is called the Dropout. It's uh, money, romance, tragedy, and deception. It's the story of Elizabeth Holmes and uh, Theranos. Uh, it's an unbelievable tale of ambition and fame gone terribly wrong. That sounds similar to what we do, right? Yes. Uh, would you listen to that? I would take a listen to that. You know, it's like... I don't need to listen to it. <laughs> I live it. <laughs> it does sound like, like your life. Yeah, very much. Uh, so. I hope everybody's enjoying the dog in the background. We, we're doing I, this at I, 10 o'clock at night. There's no, there's no UPS guy here today. No, but someone may be breaking in. <laughs> That's fine. That's what he's here for. Take the silverware. <laughs> it's fine. Just take the dog with you. Uh, the other one is Infinite Earth Radio. Uh, I have no idea what the heck this one is. Uh, oh, they, uh, each week they interview visionary leaders, dedicated government officials, savvy businesses, and forward-thinking individuals who are working to build smarter, more equitable, sustainable, and prosperous communities through social and economic inclusion. Uh, Jeff, you have a lot to live up to if you want to. That would be my bucket list. <laughs> so if, if we're on theirs, are they, if, if they're on ours, are we on theirs? That's are they, are they going through the same exercise right now? All I know is they're like, why are we lumped in with these guys? And they're saying, who's this rich Kanaki? That's right. That's right. Uh, the, the second to last one is called over my dead body. Again, very topical for what we do. We, this feels right to even just, just the title. I think so. Right. You want to, you want to hear what it's about? This might be a little close to home for you, Dave. We all have limits and some people who are pushed beyond those limits will do unspeak, unspeakable things. Uh, Dan and Wendy, in, in Over My Dead Body, Dan and Wendy are two good-looking attorneys whose wedding is featured in the New York Times. But when this perfect couple uh, falls apart, it leads to a bad breakup, a worse divor divorce, and a murder case. How many episodes do they make out of that? Uh, it does not say here. Are, are you interested? Okay. I'll, send you, I'll send you this when we're done. Okay. Please do. Uh, the last one, I think this is my favorite one. Uh, I'm not even going to read the description. I'm just going to I'm just going to read the title and give my little opinion. So uh, it's called Gov Love, and you know and you know what they say: <laughs> no gov, no love. <laughs> so yeah, so those are the suggested pods that are very similar to, to ours, apparently. Gov Love, Gov Love, no gov, no love. <laughs> and what's, what's the what's what's the the description, you want to actually hear the description? GovLove is a podcast about the people, policies, and profession of local government. From mayors and city managers to interns and everyone in between, we interview the people making a difference in their communities to learn about the great work being done at the local level. Got it. GovLove. 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 We haven't been interviewed for that one. I don't know where, I don't know where they're coming out of, but I would expect us to be interviewed at some point, don't you think? Is Elliot, is Elliot Spitzer the moderator of that? <laughs> I think so. Just in a, we only, uh, the people interviewed are just wearing socks. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're done with that uh, portion of the podcast. <laughs>
Um, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna let's do a quick food wrap up from the last podcast. Any any thoughts on uh, any feedback that you guys got on the on the on the food podcast? Well, I someone seconded um, my selection of uh, the rigatoni bolognese at, at the Blue Dolphin, and in fact, I had two or three people that came up to me and said that they enjoyed that as well. That's very validating. I like that. Right. That's good to see. It's such a simple dish, right? They called it macaroni with meat sauce when I was a kid. Yeah. But I guess if you do it right, it leaves a lasting impression. Then you can you can say it in a way that people can't even spell. Right. Um, so that's great. Yeah, I heard the same thing with the pasta dish at, uh, at Whitlock. And then uh, uh, Rob Karf mentioned the pork chop at Whitlock, uh, which he liked. I flubbed. I couldn't remember Lolly Bella. It was the honorable mention that Jess wanted me to uh, yeah. take note of. She loves it over there. She loves Mimi, the owner there. She's very friendly. And Jess loves the vegetarian combo, all kinds of vegetables and beans with injera, and you eat it with your hands. So so I wanted to give a shout-out to, to, to Mimi and, and make sure uh, we gave her some credit there. And then uh, we got this note. Um, hey, guys, what about the big mooch at Goldberg's? It's delicious grilled chicken, capicola ham, provolone, roasted peppers, and pesto sauce. It's quite the treat. Signed, Larry D. Uh, I wonder who that could be. So that's, the, that's known as the, the Big Mooch, which is named after Larry Bartolomucci, who won the auction at last year's KES fundraiser and got to create and name a sandwich at Goldberg's. Um, I don't know about you guys, by the way, but this KES fundraiser thing has a whiff of the uh, college cheating scandal, if you ask me. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> with that. Uh, so I thought that was really good. That was really exciting. He he really liked that. But but you know you've arrived when you have a, when you're immortalized in lunch meat. That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how do you top that? Slice, slice. He does want broccoli rob on there. That's how he would like to top it. But I don't think anybody. Do you like broccoli rob? I don't think it goes on the sandwich. It wouldn't go on that sandwich. He just he's a fan in general. We yeah. had a, a vicious debate about it. I, I You're offending the Italians right now. I've had it. It's a good sandwich. Yeah. As is, is I think broccoli rob would spoil it. When does that come down, by the way? Is that like up there in perpetuity? Like, what's the deal? It was meant to be a shorter run, but apparently it's got legs. It's doing so well. The big mooch. The big mooch flying off the shelves. Go out and get it while you can. <laughs> Listen, enjoy it and, and send us your feedback. That's right. We'd love to hear. We'd love to hear if you think it would be better with broccoli rob or not. Okay. Jeff, what do you, would you have a favorite dish in the in the area i don't mean to put you on the spot with that i have to say i went to lala bella last night and uh it's our family's favorite place is that and, right uh, mimi's coffee shop yeah. right next door is phenomenal that was a nice addition to so the, to the really area. nice addition to the area awesome um and then uh, no steadfast would be um uh meeting house uh, not meeting uh, bedford 234 yep uh or ge brown nice all good places awesome what, what was the last one G.E. Brown. Where's that? In Bedford Village. Okay. Best coffee in the area. Got it. They uh, they have uh, coffee beans from Coffee Labs that are roasted in Terrytown. Blows everybody else out of the water. Huh. That's uh, that's good. I, you know, I mentioned the barbecue chicken pizza at Pizza Station, and I've been in there now a couple of times since the podcast. It hasn't been there. So either it's flying off the shelves or they're like, <laughs> you killed it, like, screw you. Like, yeah, I totally killed it. <laughs> put the... I put the Nazi hex on that, on that pizza. A little disappointed about that. Not going to lie. They clearly don't listen to the podcast, which whatever. Um, 
we we uh we got a great email from uh another uh another Eagles fan in the in the area, dude. Oh my god. It's always good to have an extra one around. I know you can use more more sports fans. I, I gotta we're despite the fact that Josh Luss wants us to talk more about sports, uh he's he's like really yearning for sports talk on this podcast. We're not gonna do it except unless Dave wants to just talk about how much he hates sports right now. Do you wanna you want to share anything on, on that or, you know, to me, uh, pain and suffering uh, equals great humor and your suffering and the sports front these days is, is making me laugh a lot. I, I, you know, two, two weeks in a row to hit me with this. I just, I feel like it's unfair. I will say though, I got a little charge out of the home run derby. Uh, that was fun to watch Mr. Alonzo, but yes, these are dark days for non-Yankee fan New Yorkers. It makes me happy. Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, so uh, Jeff Hayden, CEO of Caramore Center for Music and the Arts, a native of California. Jeff has been in Katona. You, not only do you work at Caramore, but you live in Katona. You've been here for seven years. Uh, you're drawing on 20 years of arts management experience and a lifelong love of music to serve as CEO of Caramore. Since your arrival, arrival here, uh, Caramore has launched several new artistic initiatives, which we'll dig into in a little bit. Jeff really has an incredibly long and impressive bio with roles at the Chicago Symphony, Symphony or- Orchestra, the Fort Wayne Philharmonic, Aspen Music Festival, and has also worked with the Baltimore Symphony and Seattle Symphony. I don't know how to put this in any other way, but Jeff is really kind of a big deal. He's uh, very important, and I can only uh, one can only imagine that he has many leather-bound books, and his house smells of rich mahogany. Wow! Is that, is that true? Wow! No, <laughs> not true. All right. But you are impressive. I, I will say that. And so you're you're like, the first question. Sure. We'll give you a layup here. You're a smart, accomplished guy. Doing this podcast has to be a low point of your career, correct? It's a fun point of my career. <laughs> I mean, I, to me, you know, this is what it's all about, though. It's like music in your community. Yeah. And, you know, I think too often times music gets set up on a pedestal, you know, or going to a cultural organization gets set up on a pedestal. And in reality, music and culture, they're as good as they are integrated and part of the community. Yeah. You know, and so I'm thrilled to hear the podcast about Katona. Yeah. And so this is actually, this is what I love. Awesome. Perfect. I'm going to pause for one second. Dave, uh, can you go on mute while, uh, while, we're, while you're not speaking? Because I think I'm hearing some feedback. Is that possible? I don't want to mess up the, the podcast. This is going to be fun. We might lose you. This is, all, this is all live. It sounds like he's shuffling paper. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's counting money. Did that work? I think that worked. Nope. I still hear you. Did you go on mute? No. All right. All right. Don't move. Don't not sure move. if I can. <laughs> Just don't move. Um, got it. So can you tell us how you, so you're from California, you've been here seven years. How did yeah. you, how did you get here? How did Caremore find you? What was the sure. story there? Um, so I was running a music festival an hour outside of Santa Barbara called the Ojai Music Festival. Okay. Spelled O-J-A-I for anybody that wants to know. Uh, it's a beautiful east-west valley and uh, I walk to work every day. Uh, if I wore khaki pants and uh, a polo shirt, everyone would say, hey, you're dressed up. Who are you meeting with today? <laughs> um, and uh, it's a great music festival that's going as long as Caramore has been going. Uh, 
place like where Aaron Copeland conducted for the first time in public, things like that. So I did a lot of projects there and I did a huge community project there to rebuild their um, amphitheater in town. Uh, I've actually tore down the historic amphitheater that was on the city seal and then we rebuilt it and everyone still liked me at the end of it. So <laughs> that was my accomplishment. Um, and uh, uh, actually when that was all done, I got a recruiting call uh, and uh, to how about considering coming out to New York? And I'd always heard of Caramore, never been to Caramore and uh, spent a little time in New York before, but not a lot. And New York, of course, is like the artist capital of the world. And so I thought, okay, well, it's at least worth flying out there, free trip to New York, kick the tires, uh, see what it's what it's all about. And uh, I was struck immediately. I mean, the first my first conversation was actually in Manhattan uh, in this overly large, very impressive recruiting boardroom with several of the Ohio, I mean, several of the Caramore board members on the other end. But immediately you could tell that this is a group of people that were highly dedicated, highly skilled, and, and had such a great vision. And they were looking to put together a team uh, on the staff that could run. And uh, so that night I actually drove up to Caramore for the first time and saw a concert up there and just I fell in love with the place. And, you know, Caramore is absolutely unique in the industry. You know, people always say, well, what is it like? And, you know, some people say, well, a little bit of Tanglewood, but Tanglewood's huge, yeah. you know, and it's not somebody's home. You know, Caramore was somebody's home, and they actually gave it to the community to use to inspire people with art and music. And they have 90 acres. Um, and uh, so when I walked in and I saw stucco and red tile roofs, I'm like, hey, it's like California, no problem. <laughs> Until January. Uh, until January. <laughs> and I'm like, what's this white stuff? Um, but it's it's a pretty amazing place because the founders of Caramore, they you know, they had this vision for basically kind of creating Italy and, and Bedford. And they wanted to create this place that was sort of their creative oasis. And that they could come up to from New York City, they can invite all of their artist friends to come up, they could invite, you know, other friends to come up. And they created something really beautiful. And after they created something really beautiful, it, you know, can you imagine spending all this money and then handing it over to people you don't even know to say, I know you're going to do an even better job than we have. When did they do that? Yeah. What year was that? So it's, uh, they... They officially did that in 68. So it's a, it's a, I, 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 let me take a minute and just tell you the, the Caramore story because it's a beautiful story. That'd be great. Um, so Caramore was built by Lucy and Walter Rosen. And Lucy was a German Jew who moved out here um, actually before World War I, uh, went to Harvard. Uh, and uh, Lucy Rosen actually came from uh, the, the Dodge Bigelow family. And, her um, great uncle was the ambassador for Lincoln to, in France and other family members. John Bigelow actually helped to found the New York Public Library. So, you know, these were big deal people. And there's all this story that has intrigue. And, and that's a, another podcast. Um, that sounds but, like over my dead body. Yeah, <laughs> that that is. And, and I would bring our director of our Rosenhaus here. She can tell it beautifully. Uh, she actually is another Katona neighbor, Lillian Wilcox. So there you go. She should come. She should come here. 
uh, and tell you the Rosen story. But the short of it is they built this beautiful place. They loved it. Um, and uh, they, their son, they had two children and their son was killed in World War II. And during the war, they had been inviting people to come to the house to enjoy music and enjoy inspiration. And so many people were so touched by coming to their house during World War II and also during the Depression that someone said, you know, this place really has a special gift to inspire people. And you should think about opening this up to the public after you die. Uh, and they actually went one step further and did it before they died. Wow. Uh, they did it starting in 1946. And they created this whole plan for how they could create an international music festival. They could bring artists here. And um, Lucy ended up living to 1968 and, and realized that vision. But what was really what I loved about them, and it kind of goes to your earlier point about the podcast, they love this community. They were actually very instrumental in creating Katona Memorial Park. They were some of the lead donors. You can actually go back into early newspaper articles and see her writing about the importance of creating this. Uh, you can talk to um, uh, Ed Kelly, uh, another longtime Bedford person. They are also very instrumental in helping to create the Northern Westchester Hospital. Hmm. So, and they were very involved at St. Matthew's Church. They're, they're actually buried there. Uh, so they were very much part of the community. I saw the importance of bringing the community into Caramar. That's really interesting. When we first thought of this podcast and, and doing interviews with people here, I, we talked a little bit about it when you were coming in, but just having something like Caramar in our backyard, we just want to learn more and more about it. And just having, and then, like I said, yeah. just, it was kismet that we met a couple weeks ago yeah. and, and uh, because you were on our list or, you know, somebody from there was on our list. It's amazing that it's so world renowned. You'd heard of it from California and you came here and fell in love with it right away. Did your wife fall in love with it right away in the idea? Of it's here? a great question. Yeah. A uh, wife and a now 12 year old son. And uh, she, um, she's actually from Chicago. So she was looking forward to actually having season. Mm -hmm. uh, she had not, uh, she had basically had 10 years of summer out there. So we were looking forward to coming back here. And uh, good news is that winters in New York are nowhere nearly as bad as they are in Chicago. No. Everyone said, oh, we hope you're okay after the first winter. So it's apparently one of the worst winters. We're like, that's easy. Although we moved here four weeks before Hurricane Sandy. Wow. So that, that was our welcome. <laughs> We've got some more static interference. Um, and that, really lost, did you guys lose power? We lost, that was one where we lost power for a couple weeks, right? Yeah. That's a, welcome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> welcome to New York. <laughs> Were you able to leg it out or did you leave town? Uh, we ended up finding uh, some parents of a really close friend of hers from college that lived in Baltimore yeah. uh, that had a big house. And we uh, started calling gas stations and found a gas station in Pennsylvania. And like, what are you kidding? Of course we have gas. We're like, we're there. We're <laughs> so what are your responsibilities as the CEO of Caramore? Uh, it's a great question because, uh, you know, it's Caramore Center for Music and the Arts. So what would you think, you know, the, the, the responsibilities would be, okay, we've, we produce all this great music that's here and, and uh, there's, you know, how do you pick all the artists and put all that together and bring people here? Um, yes, that's, the mission of the organization and that does happen but Caremore also is a 90 acre historic estate 
uh, and we're the stewards of it. And there's a 35,000 square foot home on that estate that has all kinds of objects and art from Europe and all over the world that has to be cared for. And there are acres of gardens that also have to be cared for. And there's an education program and uh, there's also uh, a lot of architecture. And then there's also music. Mm -hmm. And so they're all amazing things. But as I sort of joke to people in the business world, this is a conglomeration of every money losing business you could be in all wrapped up <laughs> in <into> one. <laughs> so it's, um, it, it takes a lot of creativity on everybody's part to make sure that, you know, it, it, in the end, even though it's a nonprofit organization, it still is a business that has to yeah. balance the budget, it has to pay the bills. And so that's where everybody's creativity comes in to figure out, okay, how do you generate the revenue and, and manage the expense to come out even at the end? How many people work there? So we have about uh, um, almost 30 people that work there year round. Uh, we have uh, about six people that live actually on site to care for the property. Uh, we actually employ uh, a number of people that are in the area, the, the, the photographer, um, he's not an employee, but he's been a long time contractor. He lives like five, five, five doors mm -hmm. down from me right here. Like <laughs> Palacio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, the director of our Rosen house, Rowan Wilcox lives down the street on Cherry street. Uh, and, uh, I live here in town. I mean, uh, that was very important for me to live in Katona when I moved here. So I could live wherever I wanted within community distance, but I wanted to live in Katona one, cause it's the best place to live in the area, hands down. <laughs> but two, I wanted to live in the community in care more uh, resides so um, and then we employ a lot of people in and around the area as well that's great with um with over 90 acres is there a favorite spot uh mm. you know on the on the premises it's a great question so in the summertime my favorite spot is actually going into this back garden called the woodland garden that's um uh alongside this uh sort of walkway with lined with cedar trees that are probably 30, 40 feet tall. And we have this sound art installation which plays these magical chime sounds recorded from chimes all over the world. And there's a hammock there. Oh. And so whether it's in the daytime, whether it's during the concert and hearing the other music mixed in with this, or I think the best time is after a concert and it's quiet outside and you see the stars and you still kind of hear the music from earlier that night in the background and just lay on a hammock and listen. That's awesome. You know, Craig is going to be there all the time. You're going to have trouble getting him out of that, that hammock. That's it's, perfect. It, it's now become the worst kept secret. <laughs> you could tell me, that was a mistake to tell him that. You could be fights over the hammock. It's, it, it's kind of, it was a neat experiment because uh, about five years ago, we did this huge countywide project uh, where we ended up commissioning all these pieces of what we call sound art. So instead of creating sculptures or things like that, we, we went to artists that really think about sound and space, you know, in an environment. And how could you, how could you transform sound in a certain environment? And uh, so we, it started to lead people throughout the grounds. And so this one artist loved this area and thought this would be great for magical bells. Another artist found this great outcropping that was in a place that we never went to in the property. 
and transposed all these sounds in nature that you can't hear with human ear, but transposed them into the audible human range. So all of a sudden you can hear sap going through a tree or a <laughs> meteor going through the atmosphere, you know, all these things that are really interesting. And it starts to inspire that sense of um, curiosity in people. And I think most importantly, what Caramore does is it's not the music that it presents. Of course, it's really important, but it's how do we learn how to be better listeners? You know, and music is how we do it. But we're in a society that's so visual and we don't listen or if we're listening. We're listening to how do I want to respond to you, yeah. not to listen deeply. And so the sound art is kind of like calisthenics. It sort of stretches your muscle a little bit, it makes you listen to things that are just a little outside of your comfort zone or your normal round of listening. And then when all of a sudden you sit and listen to the music, you kind of listen to it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how great is that to be able to transform a whole group of people to be better listeners? James, did you have a question? Oh, we can't hear you. We lost you somehow. I don't, don't. Yep. We'll go ahead. Um, I read lips. You can read lips. No. That'd be interesting. <laughs> the, uh, you mentioned, or in your bio, we yeah. talked about some of the great programs that, that you've helped create over the years. Yeah. What are like one or two of the ones that you're most proud of? Well, one of the ones I'm most excited about is uh, we have a collaboration with Jazz and Lincoln Center. And so what we ended up doing is um, in uh, we've had a jazz festival that's been going on for over 20 years and the guy retired not long after I got there and I went, Oh my gosh, you know, this is a make it or break it moment you yeah. know, for me or for Caramore. And uh, I scouted around and uh, ended up making some great contacts at jazz and Lincoln center and talked to Wynn Marsalis and he, one of his very first gigs in New York city uh, was secured by one of our board members who's been on the board probably longer than I've been alive, who lives down the street from Caramore and went and loves Caramore. And uh, he said, you know, we jazz at Lincoln Center plays, the jazz orchestra plays at every single jazz festival all over the world. But jazz at Lincoln Center itself does not have its own jazz festival. <laughs> and he said, you gave us the best gift possible because you gave us the ability to curate a jazz festival by the way, we don't have to produce it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really fun. Basically what it is, is we take over the entire grounds. So we have like six or seven stages throughout all of the gardens at Caramore. And a stage could be something that uh, you're standing under a tree playing, uh, you know, playing a guitar or something like that, or you're on a big stage that's amplified. And it's one of these things where we'll get 2000 people will come just during the day, bring their kids, bring their grandparents, bring their parents, and you just walk around and you taste test music. And if you like it, you stay, you sit on the grass, you sit in a chair. If you don't like it, then you just sort of keep walking around and people watch and, and go to the next thing. Yeah. Uh, and this thing has just grown wildly uh, over the years. And so we get people that come up from New York city and from other States that come just for this jazz festival every year. That's awesome. That's, um, I don't, um, it dovetails nicely. Dave can't speak to us, but we can see on the video screen. He just posted a question. Is that the, is that the biggest event that you have of the year? If not, what, what is the biggest event? That um, it is one of the biggest events. Uh, and I'll put in a shameless plug. So the jazz festival is actually a week from Saturday. It's July 20th. So you get a chance to actually come here. So it starts at noon. 
and you can go all day and hear things, get ice cream, there's barbecue, there's food. And then there's a headliner who's the king of salsa, Eddie Palmieri. That's awesome. Uh, so that's really cool. So jazz festival is one of the biggest things. Roots Festival, American Roots is similar. Uh, I think Dave was just at that. He was trying to see. Yeah, that's where I saw Dave. So the jazz festival is modeled after the Roots Festival in its structure. Uh, and that's a lot of fun. Um, the biggest, actually, event uh, is often 4th of July. So this is a big community day for everybody in Katona. I see tons of people from Katona uh, at our 4th of July concerts. We bring in the Westchester Symphonic Winds and we do private fireworks and people are picnicking in uh, like three hours before the concert. So, uh, but we'll get, uh, we'll get as many as 2000 people on the property at a time. That's awesome. And how do you put together the impressive lineup of artists that, uh, that comprise the program? It's a great question. Uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit of skill, a little bit of luck, and a little bit of kismet. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I recently hired uh, a vice president of programming. Her name's Kathy Schumann. Uh, she was the number two program person at Carnegie Hall for 15 years. Wow. She knows everybody. <laughs> she grew up in New York City. Her parents were artists. And so, and she goes to concerts probably five nights a week, uh, even when it's on Caremore season. So she's at everything, she sees everything. And so um, what she's really doing is she's down in New York, she's seeing everything and she's really figuring out what would the Caremore audience want to hear? What should they hear? What would work really well in Caremore based on its unique setting uh, that's up here? She's not the only person that feeds into it. We have this collaboration, obviously, with Jazz at Lincoln Center. So they're sort of our eyes and ears on the jazz front. And so they're using the jazz festival as well to introduce new artists, you know, into their stream, you know, to try things that they can't do inside uh, at Time, at Time Warner Center. Uh, and we have some other folks as well that sort of feed in, but those are kind of the main, main folks that feed in. And can you tell us a little bit more about the diversity of programming at Caramore? It's a great question. So a lot of people still know Caramore and think of Caramore's classical music mm -hmm. venue. And it is founded on classical music and that's probably half of our programming. Classical music in and of itself is really diverse because that could mean a symphony orchestra concert, that could mean a little quartet that's playing, that could be a recital, that could be an opera. Uh, so there's just a lot that happens there. But the other 50% of the program is everything else. So there's a lot of jazz that takes place throughout the year. Uh, we've introduced world music. Uh, so we have some world music that's, that's now coming through Caramore. Uh, we do sort of a Broadway American songbook sleeve. So each year we'll have some kind of a Broadway star come and sing uh, as a headliner and then we'll do a cabaret in our music room. Uh, we have this American Roots program where it's a lot of singer songwriter um, and uh, that's also really exciting as well. I think that dovetails nicely into the question that you had before too about. Yeah, if you, uh, we'd love to, to hear if, if you could, what would be your moonshot if you could bring any artist to Caramore? That's always the hard question, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sure they're listening too. And so they're, they're all listening right now, um, you know, as you go. I mean, I have to say, you know, uh, two of my favorite artists um, that sell well, and they do come to Caramore, but not, not yeah, Public Enemy. <laughs> I saw that one. <laughs> um, you know, they love, uh, I mean, Audra McDonald, 
uh, she's class act uh, and so versatile and uh, she comes about every five years and that's about all she can fit in. Right. Uh, some other people have seen uh, Rihanna Giddens uh, and she rocked the Carolina house. Chocolate Drops. Yeah, Carolina Chocolate. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, she is just, her star has just risen so fast. It's, it's unbelievable. So um, those are people that have actually come that uh, we're working hard to bring back because their star is rising so fast that it's sometimes hard to get them back. What about uh, like Taylor Swift? You know, it's a great question about all those. Um, I was actually kidding, but you're asking, but you're serious. <laughs> no, okay. no. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, you know, she's a great artist, um, but she's one that, um, you know, I mean, in some ways like a James Taylor would be great. That, yeah. would, that would does, probably he, be my, yeah. that would probably be my moonshot. He goes out to Tanglewood. Well, he does. Right? He's a neighbor with Tanglewood. And so uh, his, um, uh, his penance is, um, uh, he gives a free concert at Tanglewood every year. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh these are all, they're all great artists to be able to have here. One of the things that, um, uh, you know, Caremore has done really well with is uh, we have a lot of uh, mentoring of young artists. Uh, and so we actually identify artists right as they're out of conservatory or early in their professions. And we bring them to Caremore for residency and they work with master teachers. And as part of the end of the result of that is they give concerts. And usually when they're giving concerts, people go through the brochure and like, oh, I don't know who that person is. Maybe they come to the concert and maybe they don't come to the concert. Well, after 20 years or 30 years, all of a sudden there are stars mm -hmm. uh, that show up. Predominantly, it's been in the classical music world because that's where we've started this the longest. But now at Jazz at Lincoln Center, even, you know, we've people that we brought, um, you know, during uh, the daytime, all of a sudden they're headliners. People that uh, uh, Roots Festival, a lot of people have heard of like... Um, Sarah Watkins or Sarah Jarose or um, I'm with her. That's a group, not Hillary's campaign. <laughs> um, but they all got their start at Caramore. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I think one of the things that people have grown to trust Caramore is, you know, who's going to be the star next. And like with our roots programs and our jazz programs, we'll sell them out practically even before we announce who the artist is because they know that they need to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously you're heavily into music outside of the work that you're doing. What are you listening to? And given today there's, you know, streaming is so popular. How are you listening to your music? You know, it's a great question. Um, I, uh, yeah, it's like I had a huge CD collection, uh, and that was always my guilty pleasure as to how much money would I spend on CDs all the time. Yeah. And when I moved out here, that whole technology changed in 2012, 2013, and by the time I was ready to set up my home stereo, my CD player was busted and, and my stereo was uh, needed to be replaced. And I looked at it and I'm like, geez, you know, we're now in this new age. And I had to really kind of uh, decide that I was going to be okay with streaming. Yeah. And so I ended up getting Sonos. Uh, and, you know, it's not quite the same as sort of a, a hi-fi system, but boy, the convenience of being able to listen to anything you want when you want it is really amazing and so i've used it to foster my create uh my um, um you know sense of adventure in my music uh so if i want to listen to something really deeply i'll go to a live performance if i want to learn and explore i'll stream uh and so i'll stream anything it's like you know some of my favorite things are still it's like you know billy joel or you know elton john or you know even go country and go garth brooks or something like that um, but we listen to a lot of Beatles at home or we'll 
listen to a lot of jazz at home. Um, we listen to a group called the Milk Carton Kids. It's like they're like the next Simon and Garfunkel. Um, so sort of all over the place. I'll listen to a lot of classical as well, just because I grew up playing a lot of classical music yeah. as well. The uh, the um, record player thing can come back too. Yeah, vinyl. I don't know if analog. You would seem, you, right, you would seem like the, you know the type that might even have something like that too. But like I've talked to some friends and they're doing more and more of that these days too. Just go really old school. A lot of people have done that, and uh, um, I go to so many concerts that uh, for me, my high fidelity sound is actually going to hear live music. And a lot of people do record. Um, at that point, I'm just, I'm more craving the music, not so much hi-fi yeah. on the streaming. So, um, my wife says I have a, other things that I need to spend my money on. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and one of, one of the points that you made earlier in the podcast was that you rely on volunteers and that includes youth, right? There's opportunities yes. for youth to volunteer at Caramore. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Uh, this is something that uh, I'm very proud of, and I take very little credit for. We've got a great team that has done an amazing job at um, developing a lot of young careers at Caremore. So each year, particularly in the summertime, we probably hire, I want to say, 50 high school and college kids uh, to work in our box office, to work in our concessions, uh, to work on our second year or third year we have someone that's now been working seven years she's now graduated from college she's going to start her job in september but wanted to come one more time uh and we're giving them their customer service skills their business skills their creative thinking skills their management skills you know that they need uh during the year sometimes we'll we'll have internships or we'll hire some you know some people part-time or whatnot uh particularly for music students that are looking to round out their experience uh, this is a great way for them to understand how the business works. So uh, these are all great things. Uh, and we also employ a lot of uh, uh, retired or want to be retired uh, folks as well, you know, empty nesters. Uh, and it's a great way to sort of hear a concert for free and to meet a lot of fantastic people. That's a great idea. Dave, Dave had a question. He wanted to know, what is your favorite uh, non-Caramore uh, music venue uh, in New York? My favorite non-Caramore music venue in New York. That's a great question. Um, you know, the, the obvious answer, of course, is something like Carnegie Hall, which is an amazing venue, but it's not that intimate. I'd say my favorite actually is Dizzy's Club, uh, which is in the Time Warner Center, which is a Jazz Lincoln Center. And you go up to the, I don't know, 40th floor, and it's only 100 seats to club setting. Uh, it's a high scale club. You're not going into a basement or anything like that. Um, and the uh, musicians are in front and behind the musicians is a window looking out on Central Park. So you're there at night looking out on the New York skyline, Central Park, hearing amazing jazz, eating great food and just 100 people. That doesn't sound bad at all. And you can get there so easily with the train and the subway yeah. and get home. So I think that's one of my favorite places to go. Great, great. Uh, two quick things, then we'll we'll wrap up. Sure. Uh, anything that you want to plug for the rest of the summer? Any obviously you mentioned the twentieth with the the jazz, jazz festival. Anything I'd else? I'd say totally come to the jazz festival. That's if if you don't like it, I refund your money. It's just it's it's a fail safe. 
The other one that I think is really interesting talks about um, is actually coming up this Saturday and Sunday. So that would be the uh, 13th and the 14th of July. We're working actually with the Bedford Audubon Society and we're doing this whole series of performances related to birdsong. So Saturday night, the 13th, we have a pianist that's playing music that was composed, inspired by bird songs outside. And we're gonna do a walk around with clarinetist who's gonna be playing bird songs. And then at six o'clock in the morning, the Bedford Audubon is gonna lead a bird walk. And at 7.30 in the morning, we're gonna do another performance of morning bird songs. <laughs> but what I think is really cool for the community is at three o'clock, we have a performance, a free performance in our sunken garden by a composer named John Luther Adams called Songbirds. And it's a great one. You can bring kids, you can bring your family and sort of experiencing music. It's not a concert, it's how do you experience music? So that's one I would really encourage people to come get ice cream beforehand and walk around. Sounds great. Last question. Have you ever thought about hosting uh, a live podcast uh, out on the grounds? I think we can get at least a couple people maybe to come to our live pod and put we, up a tent. We'd love to have you there. That would be great. We'd love to have you there. <laughs> Broadcasting live from Paramore, right? <laughs> That would be a that would be a monumental achievement for us. That would be a, a significant feather in the cap of the podcast. <laughs> That's right. You and could you could broadcast in the music room of the Rosenhouse. We'll throw in Wilcox, the director of the Rosenhouse. How's that? That's great, and it's probably fantastic acoustics. Yeah, and uh, you could bring your dog, Neil. <laughs> it wouldn't be the same without having a barking dog in the background. <laughs> And just to remind folks how close Caramore is to downtown Katana, can you just tell people? So it takes there? me six minutes to catch my train when I leave Caramore to go to the train station. So if you're at the train station in Katona, drive toward 22, turn right at uh, Caramore Museum. Uh, and then uh, when you get to the, the, the pork chops in the road where Martha Stewart lives, yeah, hang a left, wave hi to Martha, and then uh, we're just down the street there on the right-hand side, uh, opposite Ralph Lauren and uh, behind George Soros. How's that? Couldn't be easier. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they're okay neighbors, I suppose. <laughs> they never seem to have sugar, though, when we come over and ask them. I don't know why. Well, thanks, Jeff. We appreciate you being here. Um, uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. We've got uh, two quick things to um, give you before we go for the evening. One is uh, just a Todd's Pond update. I don't know if people saw it in the uh, in the in the local newspaper, but um, they formed a seven-member advisory panel comprised of private citizens and town officials that are going to study the pond. The first step is for the committee to uh, determine the extent to which the pond provides flood mitigation for downtown Katona and other areas of town. So that's happening, I think, pretty much as we speak. Um, so that's really good news stemming from uh, from from the town hall a couple of weeks ago. And then lastly, we don't really have a Katonin of the pod. Uh, please, you know, people feel free to send it to us. Uh, our email is akatonapodcast at gmail.com uh, or send us something through text or Facebook or whatever. We don't have one, but I will give a special shout out to Rudd Niles and the Niles Insurance softball team. For a big, did you hear about this, Craig? I heard about it. The big walk-off win yesterday. We were down five-four in the bottom of the last inning, and uh, and Rudd hit a hit a line drive, knocked in uh, Charlie Mattiello, who did a little dance at the plate, and stunned 
the catcher so much so that he dropped the ball and Charlie was able to cross home plate. So it was the most exciting sporting event I've been a part of in a very long time. Yeah, right. Congratulations, Skipper. Yep. Somebody yep. had a great game. Way to go. So that's it for tonight. This has been Whitlock. What is our uh, Whitlockville? <laughs> Katona podcast. Have a great evening, everybody. Thank Good you. Night. Good night.